Hey Rodney, did you know Slack's been a part of the Ready for as long as I have? You mean like back in the Bryant Park days? You know it. Even when there were only a couple of us working out of a cafe in Midtown, Slack is where we came together to tackle the future of work. Over eight years later, we're fully decentralized across eight time zones, and we still do it all with Slack. That's right, because it's the AI-powered platform for growing your business, keeping your teams connected, and making work legitimately simpler. Now you can get up to speed on a new project with one-click summaries or find exactly what you need when you need it with an AI-supercharged search function. It makes your day-to-day easier and gives you the freedom to focus on what really matters, your future. Grow your business without the grind in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the show. This is Brave New Work, a podcast about reinventing our organizations and the search for a more adaptive and human way of working. I'm Aaron Dignan, joined once again by the lovely Rodney Evans. Hi, everybody. This is episode four in our Ready for Anything series on finding a better way of working through pandemics, I guess. It's (laughs) and how. Um, On today's episode, we're going to talk about structure. So the third box in the OS canvas and how boxes and lines can help or hurt us in this moment. But before we throw a bunch of org charts on the fire, uh, let's check in. Okay, let's do it. Uh, Check-in questions are becoming like the lifeblood of meetings these days as we all (laughs) sit in our houses and don't talk to each other. Uh, So along those lines, uh, our check-in question is this. What is the weirdest new thing on the home front that has emerged for you since the self-quarantine began? <laughs> um, so we have purchased an enormous amount of meat. Gross. Uh, <laughs> we, 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 bought, we bought, you know, the better half of a buffalo mm-hmm. and, or a bison, I guess, technically. Yeah. But that's not the funny thing. The thing that has emerged is that we have started sous-veding everything. Really? Like we're every, everything's going in the plastic bag and into the water and getting cooked that way. So like right now I have a 24 hour bison brisket in the water oh, cooking that, that will be ready good. for dinner. It is good. That sounds great. And the thing I'm learning is it's just like so idiot proof Yeah. that I just, I mean, you can leave you. it in an extra two hours. Like you just don't have to sweat anything. So we have become like sous vide sous chefs. Sous vide people. Uh-huh. It's not, it's not pretentious at all, by the way. No, I, well, it's you should see how not pretentious it is. We're just like in the pandemic, we're is. just really getting into sous vide. That sounds really bad, but if you saw how how lowbrow it actually is, like it's a French name for putting meat in a bag in a and bag. water. Yeah, I know. I've got, <laughs> I've got one of those in my house, for sure. Yeah, it sounds fancy. So I'm not pretentious, but it's it sounds bad. It's just Ziploc bad. bags, really. Yeah. Yeah. Um, For us, <laughs> my mom said to me last night, I feel like I have a family for the first time, which I was like, thanks, thank you. <laughs> but we we are spending a ton more time with her than we normally would, partially just to like uh, check in and partially just to get her out of the house because she's not, you know, all of her retiree lady activities are canceled. And, uh, right. and so <laughs> one of us is taking her and our dog for like a super long walk every day. And so the weirdest thing that has emerged so far is like this weird little extended pack that has formed in my house where my dog is just like, where's grandma? When, do, when do we walk for two hours a day? It's like the whole <laughs> rhythm of that thing has shifted. And my mom is like, Oh, is this what it's like when you have like this kind of family? Um, and apparently yeah. it is. 
Yeah. Hey, soak it up. Soak it up. I know. It's really nice because we're always tight. But usually, you know, we talk on the phone while I walk the dog. Now we're all together all the time. Someone that I follow on Twitter wrote uh, just just last night, like, if someone had told you six months ago, you're going to get a month of like working from home, hanging with family, watching Netflix, whatever, um, would you have been, you know, excited? But now you're sort of devastated because it's a requirement. And obviously, that's the very privileged take on this break. But but yeah, for a lot of us, it's like, you're just home more with family, cooking, eating, walking the dog. Yeah. You know, it's, yeah, it's not, uh, someone was saying it's not storming the beaches of Normandy. So not yet. Um, <laughs> not yet. <laughs> so something that I noticed this morning when I was listening to our first Ready for Anything episode was kind of a somber note in both of our voices. And I'm bringing that up as a PSA to our listeners. We are really trying to strike the balance here of, knowing and understanding that life is very serious and very hard for a lot of people out there and probably about to get more so. And also we are all bombarded with a whole bunch of real bad news all day long. And so we want this to be a place for you that is helpful and that tonally is lighter because uh, even though the kinds of things that we're talking about and coaching you on are uh, going to help existentially, we don't have to do that in a grim way. So (laughs) we're going to try to Stay in a lighter, more positive, more upbeat tone. And also, please don't hate on us because we're monsters and we don't understand the severity of what a global pandemic is and does because we do. We just don't want to be a total bummer because we've all got a lot of that happening right now. Yeah, there's plenty of that. And at some level, I don't want to not want to do this myself. Like I want to I want this to be a safe space to like, you know, dig into this and figure out how to make the best of it. And have a little fun along the way if we can, right? If there's a little little sunlight we can throw into it, I would I would love to do that. So, yeah. Also, we like, can't live without like jokes. And like, if Cannot I can't make it. fun of you, then I can't do this anymore. So then the show's over. It's, it's in my rider. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. So so that's that. So today's topic is structure, and I want to start by asking you, how is the hierarchy doing right now? Uh, what are you seeing structurally that is helping or hurting? What's going on with all this? Isn't that great? <laughs> uh, look, really uh, calcified hierarchy is on the struggle bus in this moment for all the reasons, some of which we'll get into. Um, what is holding a lot of our clients and you know the institutions like governmental and response and otherwise that we're seeing out in the world back is that we're operating as if the hierarchy is still going to work and that we can still like run things up a chain of command and wait for news back and that we have the luxury of that kind of time and that the people at the top have the luxury of that kind of insight to even be making good decisions and they don't and we don't and so it's not going super well and I'm seeing a lot of people in this situation where they are having to choose between direct rebellion, passive resistance, or doing really dumb stuff. And that mm-hmm, is not mm-hmm. a good place for people to be. <laughs> I'll take door number four. <laughs> know, uh, right? There's got to be so a better way. It is interesting, though, because I remember when when the earliest arguments for more kind of self-management, self-organization were hitting my ears, a lot of them were rooted in this idea about the time it takes. So information comes in, it flows up the chain, the people at the top get it, sense make, and then decisions are made, and those instructions flow back down through the chain. 
mm-hmm. and that in a world where you know nothing changed all that much and there you know there was one type of oreo like there was time for that to work just fine and there are many you know places and spaces where that maybe is still somewhat true but uh it does seem like this is a minute to minute hour to hour hand to hand combat moment where it's you know it's not possible to kind of ha- make make sure all your T's are crossed and all your I's are dotted and we're actually seeing that in our own government here in the states at least where you know our our crazy president will say something and 50 minutes later some institution like the FDA will be like that's not true right like we, like we didn't do that we didn't say that so there's yeah. definitely an issue of left hand talking to the right and then just generally speaking you know most of our common traditional structures are built around stability. Like they're built around peacetime. The whole mm-hmm. idea is, oh yeah, the HR function are these thousands of people who are going to like make sure we're in compliance and keep the train on the tracks and, you know, be be very kind of fine-tuning about what we're doing. And this does feel like now we're in a different context where we you know, something about the structure has to give, and I'm not sure exactly what that is, so I kind of want to explore that with you. Yeah, and the HR thing is a really good example. What I think a lot of us are seeing right now is like you've got employees who are out in the field or, you know, really in the context dealing with customers and issues. And they're like, hey, what's our position on X? Mm-hmm. And then the manager's like, I don't know. We don't have one yet, even though, you know, it's been 10 days. And so then it's like that goes to a superior and then that gets bounced to HR and then HR bounces it up to their leadership and their leadership bounces it across to legal. Now, like now we're two days out and this poor employee who's got a customer on the phone still doesn't have an answer. It's just the loop to your point. It's just not fast enough. So we've got to get clearer around what kind of Things truly require approval and chain of command kind of behavior and what really needs to be centralized, importantly, and what we Mm -hmm. can just like let go of a little bit because the hierarchy is wreaking havoc out there, folks. And trying to insist that the bureaucracy is serving us in this moment is just a fool's errand. Yeah. And I do wonder, and we often rail on this, but like, I wonder if the right trade here is we're not going to have a centralized take on everything quickly. So what we need to do is have a decentralized take on everything quickly, but have really high transparency so we can look at the patterns and then integrate, 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 rinse and repeat. Mm -hmm. So if I have 15 customer service agents out there right now, I want them just using their human judgment and using information that we give them about the state of the business to handle each request as it comes Mm -hmm. in the way they see fit. And I would love it if there were an end of day dump of like, here are the things we saw today and generally how we handled them that they can all look at and then integrate and go into the next day and be like, all right, well, today you gave the khakis away for free and I just gave free shipping and you took a return and you didn't and like quick round of sense making and then we go into tomorrow and we try to do better. Mm -hmm. And when a corporate policy emerges, then we grab it and we name it. So it's kind of like, all right, now it seems like, uh, yep, everybody's wearing jeans now. New corporate policy is jeans are (laughs) cool. We're wearing jeans. Right? Like, so it's almost like you let the behavior at the edge lead a little bit, the the centralized policy making, and you sort of see what's working. You see what's resonating with both customers and employees. And then just, you know, codify as you go rather than trying to wait for the codification before anybody can do anything. Yeah. And I've had a couple of conversations on this very topic around sort of the customer service level person. Right now, we have to flip the script a bit 
we always know that the people closest to the context have information that the people in the middle or at the top don't have. But right now, uh, those people's intel is so much more important than it is in peacetime circumstances. And so to your point, like, I really want to see the power dynamic shift so that the people who are actually still in touch with our customers and are taking real phone calls or are like really out in the store or really out in the field or really out, you know, fixing the equipment or whatever, are the people who are telling us what's going on and what needs to happen. Not the people who are like, let me go file a report and then see what corporate says. Cause like it is just, it is too slow. And also it's just really ineffective. The, the funny thing about the structure of most organizations is that the teams at the edge are probably the right teams still. So mm-hmm. if you are the wait staff at a restaurant, if you are the team that works the cash register, if you are the software development team that's pushing to customers or selling to cut, like those are all structurally sound because they're market driven. Mm-hmm. What I think is more interesting right now is how do we take what's inside the peach or up on the pyramid and and dynamically reallocate that. And mm-hmm. so I'm actually super interested in the structure saying, you know what, let's let's leave the people that touch customers where they are for the most part, but for the rest of us and maybe even for them to a certain extent, let's put the org chart in a drawer. Let's say, hey, what what do we need that's important right now? What are our dynamic, urgent, you know, really important needs as a business and let's organize around those initiatives and projects in a way more um, fluid way than we ever have before. So instead of being like, what's HR going to do? It's actually more like, no, what's Susan going to do? Like what mm-hmm. team does Susan want to be a part of right now? Is it about emergency response? Is it about community engagement? Is it about, you know, helping X, Y, or Z teams at the edge do what they need to do or going and getting an answer to that question? Like if we're organizing around the work, then what that means is in a crisis or in a chaos situation, the work is going to be really fast, really fluid and all over the place. And trying to figure out like which function owns which effort is mostly going to be a fool's errand. I mean, obviously, if you're like talking about editing your software or something like that, like that's obviously going to be software or IT or what have you. But a lot of these things that are going to come up are going to be a bit of a grab bag. Like mm-hmm. who wants to who wants to go find the answer to that question? Mm-hmm. And in bureaucracy, it's easy for people who have held a lot of power to be doubling down right now on the activities that they've always done rather than mm-hmm. doing what you're saying. So I'm seeing a lot of like, oh, we need to rewrite this policy or write a policy or uh, you know, extract this kind of data so we can show this kind of thing about our workforce. And right now, that's probably not really the work to be organizing around. The mm-hmm. work to be organizing around right now is not turning dials on the bureaucracy to try to make the policy (laughs) be more comprehensive. The work right now is to organize around like future scenario planning or customer triaging or supporting the field or those things that actually allow us to be dynamic. Um, And and unfortunately, what I see happening in multiple places is actually a reversion to like, well, we're bureaucrats. So what we'll do is make bureaucracy. And I'm like, no, 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 just throw that like to your point put the org chart in the drawer and then decide what the job to be done is really at the center of the peach that would really serve all of yeah. the outer rings and go get that across silos, across functions, across businesses as quickly as possible. I love that. And I think the thing that's neat about uh, diffusing structure a little bit temporarily, unlocking all that dynamic potential of people organizing around what matters is 
other forms of structure, other forms of, of constraint can keep you safe in that moment. So like you could say, um, everybody find the one thing you can do this week that's most important to the continuity of our business mm-hmm. and go do it. And at the end of the week, on a weekly rhythm, we're all just going to ship what we did. Mm-hmm. And so it doesn't matter who you work for. It doesn't matter, what, like organize in teams however you want. But at the end of every week, we're shipping. And so the structure becomes the rhythm. Like the mm-hmm. rhythm is the accountability. The rhythm yeah. is the constraint. And we can let that guide us for a while. And then as that starts to become less chaotic and less urgent, we can like dial back into those more common patterns of teaming, of functions, of PLs, et cetera. But at this moment, it does feel like it would be more interesting to really focus on triage, um, which is a different sport. Yeah. And one way to get at that for people who are stuck in an org chart and are like, I don't know what to do. Like, I still have this manager who wants to check in with me every 30 minutes to see how I spent my time. Uh, what, what you can do as a hack on that is when we say organize around the work, if there is a body of work or a large issue or like a craft that you think needs special attention right now, like customer service or working remotely or dynamic budgeting or whatever, it's really easy to spin up a community of practice around that. Like if you have Mm -hmm. any kind of information channels that you can be sharing and you're willing to sort of be the the light that attracts all of the bugs to it, then be the person who's like, hey man, we're all working from home now. That's nuts, right? Let's create a community of practice where we learn from each other about how we do this. Or let's create a community of practice around whatever the pressing current need is so that we don't have to wait for a structure that's formal to catch up. And instead, we can do amoebic structure that's like, Mm -hmm. we just get together now to fix the problem now. And then we all just stop doing that when the problem's fixed. Yeah. And it's funny because that dynamic work at the team level, at the team of teams level or unit level will unlock a lot of potential. And then counter to that, the need for role clarity, which is also a part of structure work, is still high. And so we talked about that a little bit with our last episode around authority. It's still okay to say like, actually, I don't really know exactly what my role's purpose and authority and decision rights are. And so if we can clarify that and drill that down a little bit, that'll actually free up my creativity. It'll free up my potential and my ability to kind of navigate these moments because your role is not your projects. Mm -hmm. You know, your role is not necessarily the workflow and the ideas that you have to work on. It is a purpose and a set of decision rights that then allow you to navigate potential work. Mm -hmm. And so if you're like, oh yeah, Aaron, you're a customer service person. Um, your purpose is happy customers and your, you know, your responsibilities are X, Y, and Z. There might be 15 different things I could work on this week that would serve that. You know, one of them might be answering the phone, but another one might be developing a new program or a new piece of material or a new answer or a video or whatever going on site with some, whatever it takes, right? Whatever the right move is. So I think that um, we can drill down and expand the, you know, fluidity of the system at the same time at some level and just, you know, do what's needed. Mm-hmm. I find when we do role work with organizations that are not familiar with it, people struggle a little bit initially with Mm -hmm. like role chartering. So let's just talk about that for a second. Because in our purpose episode, we talked about the fractal nature of purpose and that it's something that should exist at lots of different levels. Uh, If you are someone who is going to go and do a role charter for the first time and you've historically just had like a job description that you didn't pay attention to and some stuff in an HR system that maybe you didn't even see – Thinking about your day as a portfolio of roles could feel new. Mm -hmm, So mm -hmm. I'm going to talk about what should go into your role charter for the humans out there who are just like, 
you know, I'm, I'm not going to wait for my boss to figure this out. I'm just going to determine for myself what's important. <laughs> so, and then, and then you tell me what I'm missing or how else people can think about doing this work, even if they're just doing it for themselves. So purpose, why does this role exist? And what does this role contribute to the team? Accountability. So this is not an exhaustive list of tasks. This is three to five broad buckets of things that you will contribute in order to fulfill purpose. Decision rights. These are the calls that you need to be able to make inside your role in order to deliver those accountabilities. And something probably around metrics or data. What do you in your role look at for yourself to steer your accountabilities and make sure that you're delivering your purpose? What would you yeah, add I mean, to that's, that? I wouldn't add to it, actually. I'd say it's it's almost overly comprehensive for the moment. Like I think that the the role charter can be really well thought out and really elaborate and helpful. And also, I think when you're dealing with day-to-day, uh, you know, triage, it, it it's ideal, I think, to at least have like the, the baseball hats on your desk with the name of the role and the purpose of the role. Mm-hmm. And that's enough. I, I think better would be to have the decision rights and the responsibilities and all that. But even if I think about how I'm navigating this in my roles, you know, I, I put on the finance role and I'm not even functioning from a perspective of like, what are my exact responsibilities? I'm almost functioning more from like a, okay, financial stability and health is my purpose. What, what intuitively jumps out as the most important action I can take today? And I'm playing from that position. Mm -hmm. So I think, I think that's a great list to start with. And if you have the time and discipline to get there, do it because you'll get value out of it now and later. And if you're just like hair on fire, can't even figure it out. Just, you know, pull out the baseball caps, write the name of each role you're playing on it and write the purpose. What's the dent in the universe for that role? Mm -hmm. And then and then just be conscious about what you're wearing, I think, is really important. So like Mm -hmm. what what role am I playing right now and where is this coming from? Because I feel I have had a lot of moments this week where I felt like, oh, I'm feeling some anxiety or some desire to do something or take action or I sense a possibility or I sense a tension. And the first question I'm asking myself is like, where's that coming from? Like Mm -hmm. which role? Is that me as member? Is that me as finance person? Is that me as, you know, founder? Like what is, what's the driving force here and why? And then from there, I know kind of how to respond and lean into it. Um, And I also know if it maybe needs to involve others, right? Because maybe it isn't, maybe I've sensed into something that isn't explicitly part of my purpose or my Mm -hmm. responsibilities. And I want to go talk to someone about that. So I think, um, yeah, I would not add to it. I would say do that. And if you run out of time at a minimum, just get clear about purpose and get clear about what role you're playing. Mm-hmm. The other thing that that will do to serve you in this moment where structure might not, formalized structure might not serve you, is to help you justify why you're doing things that you're doing that you didn't get approval on. Mm-hmm. So I've had a lot of conversations this week where I've literally said the words, they can't fire all of you, which is a first for me in my career to just be the person who's like, do what you think is right. <laughs> they can't fire all of you or they can't run their business. Just go to it. Um, and one such example of this is uh, good friends of mine who are therapists and mm-hmm. um, they are being required to come in to the office because there's concern about the proprietary system becoming overloaded if people work from home. So they're coming into the office, but then they're still doing all of their therapy sessions via video. Remote, yeah. So they're putting themselves in danger. The system is failing anyway. So their patients are texting them to be like, can we just do this on FaceTime? This is insane. Right. And my point is like, 
dude, I don't think that like the government is going to get to fire all the therapists right now. So if I were you, I would just write it like download the HIPAA disclaimer and start sending that shit to my patients and then doing my job. And if I had a clear role charter that said my purpose is to provide therapy to this particular population. My accountabilities are to hold weekly sessions, to use right, X right, methodologies, right. and yeah, to- by any means necessary. Exactly. Then when my boss is like, why aren't you in the office today? I can be like, well, here's my role as I see it. Yeah. And like- Totally. You know, pound sand a little bit, which is <laughs> wild. But, it, but in this moment where we're waiting for policy to catch up with sanity, there are yeah. a lot of people who are in- very similar situations who know right. deeply what the right thing is to do for themselves and their customers or their patients and are being prevented from doing it. I think so. And I think it's totally uh, necessary in those moments to take individual action. And in some ways, it's what human beings are really, really good at. They're really good at navigating you know, complexity slash chaos moments where the rules don't allow X, but I need to get around them. So how will I get around them and solve the problem? Mm-hmm. They're really good at it. And so you just let them do it. And and you kind of put a, you know, put a hold on trying to have control over everything for a little while. And for the most part, it's, you know, that's going to work out really well. And it doesn't mean that we can't um, rein it in later. But what it does mean is that we'll probably learn something about where risks actually lie. For sure. Because they don't lie in the proprietary software. And it's yeah. a funny that you brought that up because I had a similarly hilarious experience the other day where I got on the phone with a client with a Zoom call, not the phone, literally, on a Zoom call with a client and they didn't have their video on. And I was like, oh, that's, you know, is there something wrong with your video? And they said, well, uh, HR is telling us to use Zoom and, and video conferencing because remote work. Mm-hmm. And IT is telling us we can't use video because bandwidth. Nice. And so here we are on a here video call with no video. Right. And I was, I was like, got it. And <laughs> respect for respect sure. for following both the rules. But like, I might turn my video on. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Right? You know, like, and put it on my home network or whatever. Like, there's no, there's no um, workaround for that. There's got to be right. So I, so it is funny to see as the systems get taxed. Not only the silly things that we're asked to do, but also like left hand and right hand not talking to each other again, right? Sure. So like two functions with, you know, different takes on what needs to happen. And I think in the end, you know, what's there's there's very little harm in, in people making a decision for themselves about how to handle that. And by the way, if it runs out of bandwidth and the video looks like crap and we all sound like Max Headrum, then guess what we'll they'll turn do? It off. They'll turn video off. Yeah. yeah. So like we don't need a policy for that. We don't need a policy for that. I think this is a moment, you know, we've talked in the past, I think on this podcast about the idea that there is a third way. It's not just permission or forgiveness. The third way is systems design and thinking mm-hmm. about practices. Right now, there's probably not going to be a lot of attention paid to that. <laughs> and so I'm just biasing forgiveness over permission. I'm just like, yeah. are they really going to track you down because you used video? Probably not. They've got bigger fish to fry. They're still like, they're still drafting the policy that they needed two weeks ago. So, you know, you're probably fine. So given that we are talking about structure here and specifically about hierarchy, a significant part of the conversation right now is about leadership in complexity or in chaos <laughs> or in whatever we're in moment to moment here. Uh, what is the role of leaders right now? It's so interesting because I think, um, you know, there are some people in our space that are just like anti-leader all the time and really want it to be completely uh 
participatory and balanced. I think that's interesting. But I, I come more from the, you know, kind of contextual lens, which is not so much who is the leader. I'm not so interested in like permanent positional leadership or um, things that, you know, that localize leadership in just a handful of people. But I actually think leadership happening and the need for leaders changes based on the context. So in complexity, we do need some leadership. But as we've talked about, it's mostly about sparking, you know, the the thing we're going to try to do and sort of originating and holding the purpose, holding space, being kind of a, you know, a gardener and a table setter, right? That's That's how we've talked about it in the past in that context. And then when you shift into chaos, it's actually a lot more about decisive action, about getting folks to act. Mm -hmm. And so, and so again, like anyone can be the leader, right? If the house is on fire, anyone can say fire run, (laughs) like that's leadership. Mm -hmm. Um, But, and so it's reactionary in, in chaos. We can't, we don't have time to, to sense and then respond. We don't have time to, to probe and then, and then figure out what happens. We need to act and then make sense after that, after we've started to take action. And so I, so I kind of buy into it from that lens, which is depending on the severity of the crisis and the, the level of chaos and uncertainty, we need more or less of that leadership phenomenon. And mm-hmm. in this moment, because we're coming from hierarchy and we're coming from bureaucracy, the likely suspects for who's going to offer that are leaders, positional mm-hmm. leaders, right? It's less likely that it's going to come from the field. Mm-hmm. And so if it does, great. I'd, I'd be really proud of that. But for this moment, if you're in a positional, you know, if you're in a position of, of power, there are some new accountabilities here that, that come to life. And I, and I think, you know, I'm curious what you think they are, but my guess is that they have a lot to do with um, initiating action, like sort of loosening the reins on things that are holding us back from taking that action, and then just generally being authentic and vulnerable and empathic you know, to the system and its participants and sort of keeping us honest mm-hmm. about what's really going on. But what would you embellish? One is certainly making sure people feel cared for. Most of the leaders that I know do care very deeply, but when they're (laughs) in crisis, they sometimes forget to broadcast that. And I mean that in a meaningful way. Like really, actually, you are going to have to spend some time being sure that people are hearing your voice. Because for better or worse, people do look to leaders in these moments to be like, is she freaking out or are we okay here? (laughs) And so I do think that being a little bit heavy-handed in terms of communication is important right now, particularly in terms of communication about the fact that like we are very focused on the health and safety of our people. Don't talk about productivity. Nobody wants to hear it right now. (laughs) Uh, So that's number one. And number two is there is an opportunity like there always is when stuff is bad to just be better. And the way that I would like to ask a lot of leaders to be better right now is be dot connectors. So Mm -hmm. don't be the person that keeps yourself in the middle of every single equation to triage everything that's coming up. You're going to burn out, first of all. Second of all, you don't have the answers. Third of all, they can't wait for you. Be the leader right now that's like, you know who figured this out in another department that doesn't report to me? This person, go talk to them. Like create collision and connection so that you have a system that is learning together, fixing each other's problems, sharing openly, like think from a principal's lens and don't be a hero. Be yeah. the person go do, who go do, go do. shoves all of the people together into communities so that they can self-organize. Right, right. I think that's perfect. It's about, it's about uh, encouraging action, either through connection or through identification or through insight or what have you. But like, getting people to start acting and do more triage 
is probably a big part of the work because they've been in the past held back from mm-hmm. that. They've been told not to do that. So a big part of it is going to be modeling that um, and, and you know, signaling maybe where that's not being done, et cetera. So that does seem like a part of the structure. And then in theory, if you do that well, if you if you let go and you empower and you connect and you push into action, then on the other side of this, you've you've done a lot of the work, right? You've done a lot of the work of actually decentralizing and and distributing authority. And then you kind of get to settle into that new that new form of leadership that we've always talked about, which is, you know, setting the table and keep, you know, keeping the garden and holding the space and being uh, being the source in some cases for the purpose, um, which is, you know, it's much more pleasant work anyway. So like, it'll be, it'll be way better on the other side, even if it's a little disruptive in the moment. We sure hope so. (laughs) Um, All right. Well, uh, as always, here we are back to back to back. Rodney, thank you. Thank you. We're doing it. We're doing it. We're, we're doing uh, it. One quarter of the way, one quarter of the way through now. So we've got, yeah. Remember when we used to say we had to prep to do this? (laughs) 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 Those days are over. Yeah, yeah, we're not we're not going to be uh, you know thinking these are perfect. Um, one more uh, fantastic tip of the hat to Taylor Marvin for making us sound good. He's doing this uh, almost every day now. He's doing it from home, from the car, from wherever he has all of his amazing equipment. Uh, Brave New Work is produced by the Ready, where we help organizations around the world change the way they work. And boy, are they! Um, you can get in touch with us by emailing podcast at theready.com. We want your feedback. We want more of your feedback. Just tell us, like it, don't like it. What do you want more of? What do you want less of? And if you do like what you're hearing, drop us a review, forward the show to a friend, forward the show to a colleague, forward the show to someone who's been, you know, in your household driving you crazy for the last week. Um, And as for you, thanks so much for listening and go change something. Go change something.